Uh, okay, yes. we are live. Hey, if if you're watching out on Facebook or YouTube, I don't want you to adjust your camera. Everything's normal. This isn't Josh. This is Jeremy. So I get to fill in and, and host this week while Josh is on vacation. So once again, I'm Pastor Jeremy. I'm the family pastor here at Emmanuel Faith. And this is your favorite podcaster ever. I'll oh, I don't know himself. about that. This is story time with PJ right oh, here. This, this, this is this is PJ version. from story time with PJ. This is for, for yes. those of you on Instagram. This is uh, PJ from story time with PJ. I love it. I love <laughs> it. And uh, you're graciously filling in for Josh because Josh is on a beach somewhere. I, good for him. Yeah. Good for well, him good, is right. And good for Beth. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well-deserved. They're uh, enjoying some family time, I believe, oh. in Mexico or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Anytime, anytime you get away with your kids for for a week, you've got to take advantage of it. Especially after COVID with school and and teaching and kids going through all different grades and yeah. all the things they've been through, like most of us have. It's if you can get away, go get. It away. is no small feat to yeah. survive this year. Yeah. So, um, all right. Story time with PJ. Yes. You've been doing this for how long? It seems like 30 years now, I'm pretty sure. It's no, but it, so, so what? I mean, I still remember COVID hit and I, I'm going, okay, Ryan, you know, maybe this first week, just because we got maybe a week to go. I'll, yeah. How about I do a little thing in the morning and we could at least have some social media presence? You're like, great idea. Now we're sitting at what a year and a few <laughs> months later and I'm still doing it, but it's, it's been it, super rewarding. It was, uh, sort of one of those like many things that started during COVID where we thought we could do this for a little bit and you just, I've kept it going. Yeah, it's, so. you know, thanks for sharing my kitchen with me or me walking the dogs. I mean, honestly, it's probably not the most exciting thing people have watched. There, there's probably some content it, that's a little more entertaining. Yeah, it's consistent, though. But it, you show you I, I've noticed that people there's people that watch every single day. Yeah. Yeah. We, it's we, really cool. We, we got, you know, people like Kathy Hawkins and others, Dwayne Mil uh, Miller, just great people. And so they keep encouraging me. And, yeah. and so since they watch all talk, it's good. Right on, yeah. right on. And especially, I mean, it, you know, I kind of swore off Bible reading plans a few years ago. And so when we were doing one as a church, I'm like, oh, man, Ryan, are you sure you want to do this? Probably jump in. Yeah. And it's been great. And it actually, has. God's been blessing me through it. So so grateful for that. And uh, yeah, actually, it's been kind of fun going now through. Now it's like read like 12 Psalms today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, first, well, the funny thing is the first day, I'm like, oh, four, not bad. And then I kept scrolling. I'm like, like oh, oh, there's eight. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, trying trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to talk for two to four minutes on all these? Because there's a lot I want to talk about. Oh, there is. Yeah. There but, is. But it's yeah. So that's that's been super fun. Right on. Yeah. Right so, on. And right before we came on the air, we were uh JJ and I uh are both doing some premarital counseling right yes. now. And that we were we were just talking about how fun that is. Oh yeah. We both love doing premarital counseling. So it, honestly, it's it's just a joy to be able to walk with people through that time of life when mm -hmm. and they just have this deep desire to know, OK, what are we getting into? What are those like potholes that we might step in or those little road bumps that we might we come, you know, in our marriage two, three, five years down the road. And so being able to walk through that with them and spiritually yeah. guide them is just one of the most rewarding things. Oh, it's my favorite type of counseling that yeah. we get that I get to do. So I love it. Well, OK, so now. One of the things I've noticed over the years of doing this is is everybody's got their resources they like uh, mm -hmm. to use. Do you have any favorite premarital books or, or marriage books that you you use? So I don't I don't know what this says about the, the marriage book, <laughs> <laughs> but the one that I loved was uh, entitled "Before I Do." Yeah, not to be confused with "Before You Say yes. I Do." So 
I was getting ready to send this couple a link to the book and I found out it's out of print now and it cost like $245, <laughs> but it's worth per, it. <laughs> I'm like, you guys, trust me on this. It's really good. And then I looked back through it and it's good. It, I think it still is the best, but I went with, uh, before you say I do this time because it was $12, not yeah. 240. Yeah. So, and you get the nice, what do you use? Book. So I, I've been using, there's a pastor, Rob Green out of Indiana. He did one tying the knot and, oh, yeah. and honestly, that's, that's the one I started using, I think four years ago. Yeah. And I've, I've found that one, especially when I'm just going one-on-one -on -one with a couple, that one with the conversations we have at the end of each chapter has been the, probably the most rewarding. And that's the thing. I think almost any resource, as long as it addresses roles and expectations and money and sex and um, power in some form that as long as it hits those topics, it's the conversations that happen oh. at the end that are really what it's all about. Oh, totally. And, and, and you, yeah. you figure there's topics that aren't typically talked about in the church. Right. And so it's good to be able to address some of that in a safe environment, in a safe way. Yep. Um, and prepare them for what they're stepping into, yeah. which is which is huge. Absolutely. Yeah. And Absolutely. Then, uh, Connie, Carolyn, uh, Marion, welcome. Good to see you guys all online. You know, if you guys have any questions, Ryan will be fielding questions. I'll be making jokes. That's kind of how this uh, this whole thing works. There we go. But really glad you guys are with us. There we go. Okay, before we get started, the serious stuff, I, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, I just can't not ask about this. So in the sermon, and it made my wife really happy to find out that you didn't just like kind of Christian music or pop music, but you actually have an affinity for country music. I, I, you know, so let me tell you the backstory. <laughs> like most people, I used to hate country music until i met my wife and uh -huh. she made me when we first started dating she made me a mixed tape do you remember those i i got the Pushing, same one you know from record my wife. Yep. at the same time and um and she tricked me because she put like three or four country songs in with all these other songs that i, I enjoyed and so i found myself going i do want to live where the green grass yeah. grows and watch my corn pop up in the rows. And, and I was like, Oh no, what's happening to me? I'm yep. singing along yep. to Tim, Tim then, McGraw or whoever and, that is. And then you, yeah, yeah. it is Tim McGraw. Yeah. And, and you point your rocking chairs towards the West. Towards the West. It. I'm like, yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah. So that was in my, you know, Dave Matthews band phase and, you know, Pearl jam and all those other guys oh, yeah. that I was listening to. And so I just started to mix country in with that. So, don't judge me. Oh, no, no, <laughs> almost, no judgment at all. Well, actually, so, you know, side note on this, but yeah, for, for an engagement present for Kara, I actually bought tickets for the Tim McGraw, Kenny Chesney concert, you know, that was like the week before our wedding. Right on. Um, because she totally converted me. So, so I was really into what you'd call punk music, which is really just a bad version of rock and roll, but it's fun. Um, and so that was more my style. And then she converted me to country as well. Now I've, if, we go to concerts and I have, have a lot of fun with, you know, a music that I swore that I would never like when I was there a kid. you go. Yeah. So I told Kelly, then, uh, it was like two nights before I said, oh, I'm going to quote a country song in my sermon this week. And she goes, Oh, cool. Which one? And I said, um, I hope he cheats by Gabby <laughs> Barrett. She's like, please don't quote that song. <laughs> and and i'm like, like no him. really like it's about it's like and i said it's an echo of an imprecatory psalm and she's like 
uh, don't quote that, Ryan. And I'm like, oh, come on, come on. Well, sure enough, I got a few comments yeah. about that, JJ. Yeah, yeah. I, know it's, I know it shocks you. <laughs> Some people didn't like that. Well, so, so the previous um, pastor here quoted a rapper named Sia uh, and the song Chandelier. So I'm, I'm just saying either way, we've got to step for, up from there. So we so, need the footage of that. I, I'm sure we got it. Somewhere. We'll, we'll okay. dig up in the archives. But yeah, so I'm just glad that, that um, you know, so if, for all those out there, Ryan and I, I mean, I, like our, our life, we're about the same age. Marriages are about the same time frames. Yep. And so our wives probably converted to country music around the same around time. Around the same time. Lives. Yeah. So yeah. fun fact. Hey, that that's cool. <laughs> but that's it cool. also goes in a lot of the country music, different music nowadays too, just as you were talking about. Music and emotions are tied to different uh, aspects of our life or different memories. And it's funny how even Psalms, uh, as we're reading through these, uh, and I've been doing that study, how they've triggered different memories at different times of my life mm -hmm. when I studied these. Yeah. Or when I've turned to God for help and I wanted to see how David cried out. And I look here and I would go, oh, this is totally. This. And so the, and, and even through 120, I, it's, there, there's just those little verses that hit you and they go, oh, I get this flashback of this memory from this. Yeah. The one we're talking about this week, uh, Psalm 121 is one that, oh man, I, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? Yeah. My help comes from you, maker of heaven and earth. And that's one of those ones where we would quote on a backpacking trail. You know, every, yeah. every week we'd have a verse and uh, one student would have one line and we'd start <laughs> it off and we'd echo it. And a lot of times we'd use Isaiah 40 for that. Yeah. Um, but Psalm 121 was another one. And, oh, I just, it brings me back. Oh yeah. And I did some research on this. It didn't make the sermon, um, but about the way that our brains work and tie memory to song. And there really is something about the way that our neuro pathways are wired where um, I don't know what what songs you or like what type of music you listen to when you were in high school, but there's a 90s playlist that I have that Kelly and I like listen to and we can sing every single song. And it there's a, something about the way that it triggers emotion of that moment yeah. and not less, like necessarily like a specific moment, but an era. Mm -hmm. And it just brings you back. Yeah, it's crazy. But uh, this strange thing. So. But at the same time, it's it's part of how God's wired us so that way we can recall these truths that have been woven throughout our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the way that these Psalms of Ascent were used. Mm -hmm. They were sung yeah. on a on the road to Jerusalem as people were journeying. Okay. So, yeah. And, and and you figure, I mean, it, especially you think about modern travel road trips now. Right. We have air conditioning. We have music. Everybody has their own device. Some people have DVD players in the car. You have all, every little convenience. You got a full service deli in the front it, seat. Isn't it nice with the cooler, right? That, <laughs> it, it's great. But, and, you know, you think back to, no, they're traveling by foot or very oh. slow animals in the heat of, you know, deserts oh or places you wouldn't yeah. want to normally walk. And to keep spirits up and to keep things going, this is what we're going to yep. say. Let's so. sing. Yeah. Yeah. So we we jumped in this week uh, to Psalm 120. That was our first, the first of the Psalms of Ascent. So it's sort of a a little bit of a, I called it a revenge psalm yeah. with a redemptive twist. <laughs> but uh, that was my best attempt at sort of trying to summarize it uh, as far as what's going on, I, I believe, in the psalmist's heart as he's writing this. Yeah. So well, what are some of the other things maybe that didn't make the sermon that you just stood out to you that... Um, you'd want to share? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, 
there's a whole lot about journey and story arc that I'm really personally interested in. So it wasn't necessarily like I had it studied and teed up for this one, but in general, I love the way that um, hero's journey or story arc sort of just fit with yeah. the way that life often works. That there's a reason that that type of a story resonates with us. And I think that you can see that in the journey that the Psalms of Ascent take to. There's these twists and turns and um, moments of uh, moments of truth yeah. and rising tension that is present and latent within all of it. Um, and then there's also this idea of, and I'll talk about this a little bit this week, of when I was a backpacking guide, yeah. I used to see the way that these that journeys would take shape. And as a guide, you could almost like call what was going to happen on every single day mm -hmm. because it happened every trip. Yeah. <laughs> and I started to wonder, gosh, I wonder if this is the way that like life looks like if you zoom out yeah. far enough, right? That you have these, this movement and these dynamics that, that God sees and he doesn't freak out as much as we do because yeah. his view is different, you know? And so those are some of the pieces of it that I just, uh, that I love. So getting more into like the midrash type yeah. of a feel to these psalms. So well, and there, there, there's so much there to dive into. Right? Yeah, and so I think that's that aspect where you look how God orchestrates it all, how the how the writers wrote it, what they were experiencing in the arts, and then how it relates to where we're at now, mm -hmm. and then the different experiences we've been through. And so there's a whole lot. There is, yeah. and I really what I wanted to do at the beginning of the message was try to like tee up some of the tension of in these really difficult moments. It of life, it can be easy to say, God, I'm out yeah. and to actually utilize those moments to push into God rather than to draw away, I think is the, one of the almost silent invitations of this Psalm as it launches the journey of yeah. the Psalms of ascent oh, yeah. and the trip to Jerusalem. So I think the Psalmist is almost going like, yeah, it stings and it hurts sometimes life. Mm -hmm. And that's a great reason to ascend rather than pull back. Oh yeah. And, um, that's what I wanted our listener, like our congregation to really wrestle with is gosh, do I, when life gets hard, do I pursue or do I pull back? Well, I, I still, as you were preaching this weekend and I was listening because of course, oh, oh, one second, sorry. Uh, I'm not very good at showing the comments. Josh Rose is much better at this, but look, it. even Josh is joining us just to make sure that I didn't screw things up. From <laughs> he Mexico. didn't. He's doing great. <laughs> <laughs> but as I was listening to, uh, on Sunday, I'm sitting there and I was thinking back. So when I was 18, you know, part, part of P, uh, story time with PJ, I started telling this part of the testimony of when I worked as a lifeguard on the ship, but it was Ron King mm -hmm. who had called me out of, of kind of some, you know, sinful living, if you will. Like I wasn't doing anything horrible. Just, you know, I, I was trying to figure out, do I keep walking with God? Mm -hmm. Because I've made some choices. There's some, you know, like like colleges and work and different stuff. Of, yeah. Okay, where am I going to go with this? And it was wrong. He kept pulling me back. Hmm. And, and I still remember he helped me get this job on this ship. And like, well, you know, I'm only going to be gone for two weeks. I don't need to take my Bible. You think, okay, God, we'll, yeah. we'll, I'll, I'm going to just take two weeks and see how this goes. Yeah. And then, of course, it, it, the two weeks turned into nine months, nine and a half months I was gone. And so I picked up a Bible in Florida before he left. <laughs> and it, but it was just that way of God going, no, he, I'm going to show that you need me. Right. And over and over he did. Yeah, that's cool. But, but, there, but it's, as I was listening to that part of the journey, I'm just thinking like, it, it's those things, you know, those life lessons where we've gone, 
Okay. Uh, be, be, you're, you know, you know, the main point about distress is a great reason to pursue God, but it's a terrible reason to abandon him. Yeah. Like I've seen both sides of that in my own life. I have too. Right. And yep. so there's that aspect of, okay, this, this is something that, that we have to unpack and get into because it's so easy to abandon. Like it is. Satan has twisted that in our world to think, oh, we don't need God. Right. I've got all the conveniences I need, so I don't need him. But Yeah. Or maybe even blame God yeah. rather than pursue him and yeah, I think there's all sorts of ways that we can um, let distress get the better of us and cause us to pull back rather than to push in. So that was where where I wanted to start. And um, just to invite people to uh, really acknowledge that, yeah, sometimes life is really challenging and really difficult and, and it hurts. And that's no reason to abandon God. So that's where we, that's where we started. And... Um, uh, I, I really like this idea that he's the psalmist in this psalm is wrestling with the words that people are saying about him, the things that the lies that people are spreading. And you just get the sense that his heart is like, oh, this is just killing me, you know. And um, I said, not being able to discern truth is frustrating, but having untruth spoken about you is devastating. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I've had that at times in my life, I'm sure you have too. I'm sure our listeners have too. And I don't know that it ever gets any easier, right? Cause everything in us, when somebody says something that's not true about us, we want to go, well, no, like that's not true. And as I reflected on that more and more, it's so challenging because if you overreact, you seem like you're being defensive. If you misread it, you just seem like you're being paranoid. And so he uses the psalmist, I think, very intentionally uses this word distressed, which in the Hebrew means like to be confined. It's it's like you feel like you're in a cage and there's no nothing you can do. Like you can't reason your way out of it. You can't talk your way out of it. You just you just got to walk through it. Sometimes walking through it is that lonely hopeless road though and i think that's that's what we're so afraid of right mm -hmm. and that's where like when i different psalms where you see him crying out you can see that okay why well, I, I don't know if i have the strength god i know you have the strength i don't know if i have the strength to trust you in this thing. yeah and, yeah and especially when it's coming from all sides that and and so i think with that background in mind there's a reason that that's the first psalm in the Psalms of Ascent, right? So it's that background in mind that starts to launch us on the journey of pilgrimage. Yeah. And that was a word that I wanted to um, sort of introduce in a sense, not that it's a new word, but this idea that a pilgrimage and a, a journey or a, just a trip, I guess, are two different things. Yeah. A trip is just, uh, you know, a like from point A to point B, and you might see some things along the way, but a pilgrimage there's an intentional seeking after God as you journey. Mm -hmm. And I can remember, I actually met a pilgrim one time, not who settled oh, wow. here. Oh, good. I didn't know that there still were like, okay. like, so, um, she was, uh, a Catholic woman. Her name was Sue. And, um, a friend of mine met her when they were walking the Camino. Yeah. And, uh, which is a very common pilgrimage. And, uh, she came to Colorado and was high. If she was, pilgrimaging from Colorado up to somewhere in, in Canada. Oh, and oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, was she doing like the continental divide trail at this point? No, or? it was just like, but she didn't know where she was staying each night. Oh, wow. 
So it, it, it was, she yeah. was probably in her sixties. Yeah. That's bold. Very. Yeah. Very. Anyway. So she'd gone to, she'd been in New Mexico and I'm like, are you okay? <laughs> no, it's like one of those deals. But uh, so anyway, there, in case you're wondering, there's still pilgrims out there. Oh, wow. <laughs> what was it like? Yeah. Because you, you, I mean, one, it's, it's, if there's a whole thing that, that started a few years, I mean, it's been around for a long time, but it really blew up the last few years, but through hiking where people are going oh, yeah. these very 2000 plus mile trails. So that's one type. And a lot of the time there's a, a movie and a book by what Cheryl Strayed called wild that. Oh yeah. You know, that was, was great. Yeah. And so, so it's this, you know, somebody goes through something traumatic, they go have to go find themselves. Right. Yep. So you hear the story over and over in modern day. You do. Uh, it looks a little different maybe than the, the pilgrimage to Jerusalem, but, it, but people are still doing this. Oh, they are. Yeah. Camino. Mm -hmm. I think Camino de Santiago in um, Spain is as popular as it's ever yeah. been. There's a number of movies made about it. I was going to go back and watch one. I think it's called The Way, something oh, like yeah. that, uh, that is about walking the Camino. But um, I, it's one of my dreams to pilgrimage the Camino someday. Oh, but, yeah. 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 When kids are a little older and, and they don't yes. need it the same. That's yeah. right. Yeah, That's it, right. It, yeah, heard that? I'm taking my wife on that <laughs> one. Yeah, we're doing that together. Yeah. No, Karen sure. and I definitely had some some ideas of, of doing different trips like like that or, or ones around here. And but there's those aspects to it where it's just there's not a we're, we're at a point in society where if we don't actively and intentionally shut everything else down, mm -hmm. we can't journey with God. Yeah, because there's there's going to be every every step of the way, there's going to be something pulling at us. Right. And so I think there is there is that simplicity of going out. OK, I'm going to go intentionally pilgrim, mm -hmm. um, whether it's in Colorado or it's in Spain or it's in California. Right. And And I. You know, and I think, you know, these Psalms kind of lend to that, that idea of, okay, well, so you've got all this noise behind you. You've right. got all these other voices. How are you going to shut them off? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Where are you going to, are you, are you going to shrink back yeah. or are you going to move forward? I yeah. think that's, that's a, a very human question that I think all of us have to wrestle with on some level. When I think, it, well, especially like with the, stay in line with the message, right? There's that aspect where if you're not hearing from God, and you're, yep. you feel like your prayers are returning void. What do you do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and then, then that whole, the distress, okay, am I, am I going to cling to him? Am I going to run to him? Or am I going to abandon? Yeah. And go try to find my own way. And I think JJ, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I love about the Psalms is their, is their honesty. Mm -hmm. Like we'll, we'll talk about it in a few moments probably, but the Psalm doesn't end with a ton of resolve, right? It's, it ends with, <laughs> Uh, as much tension almost, at least externally is what okay. I would say, as much tension externally as it began with. But he says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. So he's going like that. That was my first line of defense was I'm calling out to God. And he says, and he answered me. We don't know what the answer was. The psalm doesn't necessarily go on to unpack how did God answer mm -hmm. me and what did God do other than the transformative work that he did in the yeah. psalmist himself. So I think that's really interesting. But yeah, we see this like, all right, am I going to live with an upward trajectory to my soul or am I going to get just caught in the muck and the mire of all that's going on in life? Yeah. But OK, so let's talk about uh, verses, uh, verse four specifically, because oh, yeah. that. Um, yeah. What were you well, going to say? Well, I, I was going to say, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like you're reading through it and then that one you're like, oh, no. Yeah. What do you, 
Like it, there's just that there's no hope in that verse. Yeah. And so that was the verse that I got the most comments on afterwards, as far mm -hmm. as like, gosh, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with your take or I didn't know what to do with that when I read it. And, um, you know, it says in verse three, what shall be given to you and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue. So yeah. I, it's, I'm reading it that the psalmist is talking both to God, but also to the people yeah. are, that are lying about him. And he, he calls them out. Yeah. And then he says, away your sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Like, here's what I'd like to see happen to you. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a whole category of Psalms called the imprecatory Psalms. There's imprecatory literally means cursing or curse. And, um, uh, you know, like some of them you read and you go, wow, are you allowed to say that in church? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that type of a thing. No, but you can say it in the Bible. No, but you can say yeah. it, the, which yeah, there's probably some issues there, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so here's really, here, here's um, something that was interesting, JJ. I got a number, not a number, I don't want to exaggerate, but a few people that were very upset about like my citing oh. of Psalm um, 58 verse six. Okay. And specifically someone who said, because I said, like, I know we're not supposed to want vengeance, but what do we do when we want vengeance? And Psalm 58, six that I quoted says, um, I mean, it's, uh, it doesn't quite mince words. He says, Oh, break the teeth in their mouth and tear out the fangs of the young lions. Oh Lord. And somebody wrote to me and said, he's not talking about wanting vengeance. He wants God to do away with evil. And I'm like, yes, he does. But he's talking about a very specific person and people, a group of rulers actually, that are doing evil to him. And he's not saying just wipe out the evil. He's saying, if you're looking for ideas, God, about what to do, why don't you wipe them out? Oh yeah. Well, multiple times David cries out yeah. to take a smite his enemies. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's not that we want vengeance just out of the pure sake. I want this. It's, it's because something's happened. We're in this turmoil Yep. and now we're going, okay, God, do I do something about this or do I wait on you? Yeah. And I think there, there, there's that human side of, of our brokenness and everything else that, that plays out in those words that is actually really relatable. It is really relatable, but I don't know about you, but, um, all right. Yeah. So as a Christ follower, a new covenant Christian, like, how do you feel about us praying prayers? Like, Oh God, break the teeth in their mouth. <laughs> Or let them be like the snail that dissolves into slime. Or sooner than pots can feel the heat of the thorns, you know, let them be swept away. Well, it, is there a place for that in the life of the new covenant believer? Okay, so so how do how do I give an answer that is sufficient, doesn't offend, I guess? That's probably the best. But now nah, this is we're oh, we good, we're safe. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, so I look at this, how many times have we prayed for someone to leave our life? Maybe, maybe I, I, I don't want them physical harm or I don't use some analogy that way, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm saying, okay, God, I actively want you to move this person physically three States away. Yeah. Or I, I want you to, to destroy this area over here. So that way my path can be clear. Mm -hmm. And I know that's going to affect, you know, these people over here. Yeah. And so we, we probably do it in a much nicer way. Right. Or much more maybe like um, nicer language or politically correct language. 
is how I'd probably say I would do it personally. Yeah. But it's interesting because you mentioned that sometimes the Psalms are maybe more honest than we're able to be mm -hmm. in church, but I think that's true. Yeah. Like we, we sort of filter a little bit, don't we? Oh, well, I think like growing up here, right? And, and not just a manual faith, but just growing up in a church and being at other churches, there's that aspect where I don't think, I, I don't think I was ever comfortable saying maybe what I felt sometimes or mm -hmm. certain questions or frustrations because I'm just going, I know they're wrong. So yeah. saying them doesn't bring any good. Right. And so there was, there was a, and, and you touch on the message a little bit, but I think I, you know, there's a little bit of shame for even feeling that yeah and then and then wrestling with that and so going oh well now i can never bring that to god or hey you know that that when i, I still remember in sixth grade i'm not going to name names in case he's still in town here but an eighth <laughs> grade you know an eighth grader that my brother had picked on decided he'd pick on me to get back oh right? get yeah. back to your brother yeah and of course i'm in sixth grade i'm i'm young too i was a year early so i'm i'm what 10 years old in sixth grade and i've got this yes. you know 14 year old eighth grader picking on me and it's like, it's one of those things where I, you better believe I was praying God to smite him down. Yeah. I was waiting for lightning to come down from heaven, but it didn't. Yeah. Instead, it, yeah, I got punched. So that wasn't very fun. But, but I look at that. There's those things where it's like, you know, would I have, would I have told uh, my core group leader or, or junior high leader, like, hey, I, I, I want this person phys physically harmed because of what they're doing to me. I, at, at 10, I probably didn't think of the right language, but I definitely asked God to, to like let that guy get hit by a car. Right. Because that's that's that was a language I had. Right. I certainly prayed to win a lot of baseball games, <laughs> you know, which by implication meant other people would lose. Yeah. Right. And I, you know, if God needed to bash out their teeth to do it, I guess I would have been like, well, whatever means necessary. Well, apparently the Chargers were never God's team. That's I true. found that, that out is the hard true. Way. So I, I a lot of prayers on them. Yeah, I really wrestled with that because, like I said, I, we, we know we're not supposed to, you know, have a desire for vengeance or to be angry. But what do we do when we have those desires? And I think that's one of the tensions of walking with Jesus is there's like there's things that we know shouldn't be a part of our life. But there's times where we just find ourselves carrying them. Yeah. And what, I, what um, do we do then? Connie makes a really good point just about how it's it's that bringing him to God so the cross can do the work that, mm -hmm. that he's already done. That That's such a great point. Yeah, yeah. to forgive as we have been forgiven. Mm -hmm. That there's, there's typically that as you have been uh, thrust within the scriptures that point us back to God. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think this is really important. And, and so I'm going to recount it really quick for mm -hmm. our listeners, JJ, is I really do believe that there are um, three categories of things we can do with that yeah. desire. One is act out on it which isn't a good thing. I don't, I don't advise that. Typically, yeah. The thing that I believe is probably most prevalent, and I said amongst men, but probably most people, is I'm just going to bury it. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to forget about it, or I'm going to try my best to work through it, or however we want to do that. I'm, or I'm going to medicate it. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna, there's a lot of ways we try to deal with it if we bury it. Um, or we can, and, and I think... I'm going to answer my own question. Is there a place for this in the life of the new covenant believer? I think there is as, as an, a prayer of confession to say, God, this is in me. I don't like that it's in me, but here it is. And well, by the way, you know it anyway, so I might as well name it. Yeah. And um, I'm just going to, I'm going to lay this before you because I know that if I keep carrying it, it's going to kill me. Yeah. You know, it's going to rob me of the life that you want me to have. 
Well, but see, I think that's that's part of the problem, right? Is we believe the lie that it won't have that effect on us. Yeah. We we believe the lie that it won't lead to bitterness. It won't lead to uh, internal problems. Like I sometimes when I teach on like First Peter five seven or Philippians four, mm-hmm. I use a backpack as an illustration, right? Mm-hmm. I just put a bunch of different stuff in the backpack. Yeah. But now it's super heavy and it's full. And now you got to start unpacking yeah. stuff if you want to put more things in, good and bad, right? Because we we have limited space for both. That's so true. Yeah, so true. But yeah, I tend to, you know, there, and I think a lot of people, we hold on to that belief that, oh, no, it won't hurt us if I just shove it down far enough. Yep, shove it down. And we have no idea how it squirts out on other people yeah. or the way that it's that like silent OS that's operating mm-hmm. in the back of our mind that's causing us to do all sorts of things that we wouldn't choose if we were healthier. Oh, yeah. I like Gwen's comment. Will you put it, oh, you put got it up? It. Yeah. yeah, and we got another question here I'll show in a second. Great. Uh, but for Gwen, as she stated, I believe that when we are honest, speak or, then, uh, speak or name our feelings to God, we release and give it to God, and by that we trust him to take care of it. Amen to mm, that, Gwen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's the picture in the imprecatory mm-hmm. psalms. I, like, I sort of imagine um, the psalmist in Psalm 120 writing, uh, God, or just, you know, saying, you know, God, like these people have really hurt me with their words. And if you could just get those broom tree, that broom tree fire fueled arrow and shoot them for me, that would be awesome. Yeah. But I trust you with it. Oh yeah. You know, well, but I think there's that, that aspect to it too, of, you know, if I'm just being honest about myself, okay. How, how small is my view of God? when I'm not willing to name it to him, knowing that he already knows it. Right. But I think I, I believe I can hide it from him. Yeah. Oh God. I, I know I, you're so busy with everybody else. Let me just, I'm just going to set this over here. Right. Or that he's going to act out on it, even if yeah. he knows it's not the best thing or it's mm-hmm. not, it, it goes contrary to his will, but he's like, well, sorry, Paulson asked <laughs> for it. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, and then uh, Carolyn had a, a comment and a question. So I just want to put this up. Uh, what might might have been like for Jesus to have learned these psalms during the years he journeyed to Jerusalem with his family? Mm. I think, yeah, I think there's some validity there. That obviously oh these didn't stop. Yeah, you know, um, sometime in that intertestamental period. Yeah, were were you at writing team when we talked yeah. about this one? Uh, one of the one of the this is another cutting room floor deal mm-hmm. that just never never quite made it. Um, but I think Jesus could have prayed this song and sung this song and it not only reflected the 30 years leading up to his public ministry but i mean he leaves heaven to come to earth this is sojourning in meshech right like this is like he's making his home there he's dwelling among the amongst the tents of Kedar. like that's that's us that's all of us right and yeah sure deceitful uh deceitful tongues and a lot and lying lips yeah, absolutely. Spoken about Jesus all the time. Yeah. And I think the the only the interesting thing is that instead of asking for the arrows and coals to be cast on somebody else, he takes them on himself yeah. and uh, gives himself for us. So I think all of this whole psalm, I think Jesus could have sung and with the cross and and his journey in mind, and you lay it over there and it fits actually pretty beautifully yeah i think there's a devo coming out about that I, this week i think so yeah is it yours <laughs> no uh no not not mine on this one okay yeah 
Well, thank you, Carolyn. Great, great, great question. Great response, Ryan. Yeah. Um, okay. And I, I really wanted to make this point. Um, and this is, I need to give a wink and a nod to Dallas Willard, um, which I know that's shocking. I am surprised. But um, I, I, I wanted to make a point to say, even if your anger is justified, it's never helpful. And it's a wink and a nod because I think Willard wrote something to the effect of anything you can do angry, you can do better not angry. <laughs> and I was like, when first time he said that, I went, yeah, he's right. He's right. And so that that's one of the things about Jesus being brilliant is he's not just giving, um, he, he's not giving laws for people to follow so that their lives are worse. He's actually inviting them to, uh, into abundance, yeah. right? So when he talks about letting go of anger, it's so that we would be able to walk in more joy. But I, I do think it's true that anything we can do angry, we can do better not angry. Oh, well, what? <laughs> not only that, like, and I look at anger kind of like a light switch, right? You know, mm -hmm. if if you grew up in a house where you'd have, you know, old older light switches, you understand that sometimes they break. Mm -hmm. And sometimes with that anger, you can't always shut it back off once it turns on. Mm -hmm. And so if you operate in anger all the time, right, it, then, then there's going to be a point where you've given over to that. Right. And that's a scary place to be. But then also you, you look, okay, well, what, how, how much better could life been if you would have learned to turn that off early? Right. Right. Absolutely. But, okay. So, yeah, no, but as far as, yeah. And then the anger, I think you know, to, to the other point about how then what you typically do, if you don't learn how to release it, the, the bitterness does take over. It does. And there's no way to get rid of it. Sometimes it gets so deep that then it takes years and years to, to learn how to go, okay, where's the roots? Yeah. And I mean, as pastors, we get to help people work through their anger. Sometimes yeah. we get to help them mop up the mess that their anger creates. I think that's one of the reasons that I find myself going back to that as being one of those core issues that I really want to help people work through forgiveness. Yeah. It just, these things are core to being followers of Jesus because everything else can be in line in your life. But if you let those things have a, get a foothold, they can easily just take you off course from living the kind of life that you long for. So, um, there's a reason Jesus talked about that. There's a reason that we talked to a lot of people about mm -hmm. that because we've seen it ruin marriages yeah, yeah. and families and relationships between parents and kids and, oh man, you well, name it. I, I mean, think, think about inside the church, outside the church, wherever it is, it there, there never heals. Yeah. If we don't, if we don't step into it, then that bitterness just caused that separation causes that, 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 you know, kind of that just to fester this problem to fester and grow and grow until, you know, you become indifferent and then you never actually heal from it. You just ignore it. Right. But uh, now you've got, you know, generations that might be affected. Yep. And that is one of those generational sins, mm -hmm. as it were, that um, has a tendency to be passed down in one way or another, whether it's biologically or whether it's in conditioning or however that happens, um, it it's passed down. Well, especially when, when you think of this people group journeying together, this pilgrimage together, right? It wasn't just, okay, one person wants to go be alone in the woods and, and get right with God. You've got a people group traveling. Right who probably have had some issues with each other yeah. because you're living in 
not easy environments, not easy jobs. And you're probably sharing some stuff. And some people feel like, right. well, so-and-so is not working too hard. Or look, the Johnsons are out front. They're going to try oh, to yeah. get the only inn available in yeah. whatever small town we're getting. <laughs> Hurry, get in front of them. You know, look, look at Ethan, look, run. Oh, yeah, look at Jeremy. He keeps cutting everybody off. <laughs> totally. Why is he making? Why is he making his kids lie down on the road? So oh, they think go. they're better than us. Look what kind of food they brought. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <and> so, <laughs> you and, know, and, it and then you have to sing this together. Yeah, I mean, what's that going to do in that group? Totally. Yeah, yeah, it stirs up all sorts of. Oh, did I? Did he request that song because of what I said about him back on the road? <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, you kind of look over your shoulder and make sure there's no, you know, fiery arrows coming your way. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> Why is Jeremy over by the broom tree again? <laughs> Why is he hiding? Yeah. All right. Josh Josh said uh, Psalm 3, 7. Arise, O Lord, and mm. save me. O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Wow. Yep. yep. There it is. There it is. Nice fun, Josh. All over the Psalms. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I, there's no way to say that's you know, anything but harsh is harsh i mean and, and um, maybe it's somewhat just but it's harsh yeah and i do think that there is an aspect of justice that <laughs> the the people writing the psalms are longing for like god you see these things going on you know they're wrong you're powerful do something step in do something and if you need ideas i'm happy to offer them and knock their teeth out <laughs> right um what real quick connie made one point too that i just uh I think it's good right here, especially we're talking about premarital earlier and marriages and relationships, right? You figure your, your words have a huge effect. Yeah. And so even if you say you're sorry, and this is one of those things I work with a lot of couples on because it's grace is needed. We're going to say things wrong, mm -hmm. but there's, there's the way you say it to cut and there's a way you just say it wrong. And there's yeah. a big difference. As much as some people think there isn't, there's a huge difference. There in is that. motive matters. No, totally. And that, that definitely matters in how the words come out and how they're received and how they're. And so you look at that, I think there's that point where, you know, you, you, you have to be careful in the person to person relationship, how you're saying this Yeah, and, and make sure it's, it, you've built enough trust where you can have that grace. The nice thing, I think what the Psalms show us is with God, we can process with him and he's strong enough to take anything. We right. Have. No filter needed no. when we're talking to God. Yeah. I love that. I love that about God. No filter needed. He is, um, he knows it anyway. Yeah. What are we going to hide? Yeah. Which goes to the other point you made about how that prayer needs to be our first response. But so yeah. often we, we put it down the list because we want to have, you know, it, realistically, I just want to look good to God sometimes right. and do it on my own. Or, you know, let me, I'll problem solve first. And then God, if I need you, you'll be, you'll be my last result. Or I'll, I'll pray if I'm really got my back up against the wall. Yeah. But, but let me take it till then. And I, there's just that aspect where, will we pause and pray first? Right. And that, 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 that discipline is huge. And it is that. It, yeah. You're right. I, I mean, there's no other way to, to it, it has to be a discipline thing for us to mentally stop because I, you know, I, if you're like Ryan or like me, you probably have four or five things going on in your head, especially if you're dealing with some type of conflict or anything else. And then stopping to pray is a really difficult thing sometimes. It is. So. I love the way this psalm ends, JJ, because... Yeah. There isn't a lot of resolve, you know, he says, uh, too long. I've had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. 
And you almost expect there to be another verse where it's like, but God, you have silenced them and God, you've solved this problem. And God, thank you for being my victorious warrior. And certainly there are Psalms like that. Yeah. Just this isn't one of them. <laughs> no, and you're wondering, did they, were they, like, did they leave some of it out? Yeah. yeah. It sort of it felt like there was an arc that this was, but, but I love the honesty that, and the challenge, I think that's where I really felt like, okay, Ryan, like this psalm really applied to me. Like it, I felt this psalm, like, and I, I do think that's part of the psalms is to not just study them, but to be invited into them. Yeah. And um, because, you know, we, and you know this too, when you're in leadership positions, people can talk about you and more than they talk to you, yeah. right? And this was a challenge for me, verses six and seven, to say, will I be the kind of person that will choose peace even when I'm surrounded by war? And I was reminded in, in studying and preaching this text that that is always an option for us. Yeah. There is never a time where it's not an option to be a person of peace, to say, I peace, even though all around me, it feels like chaos. Mm -hmm. And um, that for me was a personal challenge this week to go, no, I'm going to choose that. I'm going to choose peace for me. I can't choose it for someone else. No. Well, and, and, and yeah, God hasn't given me the power to choose it for someone else, but he's given me the ability to be able to lead yeah. by your choices. Yep. Yeah, sometimes easier said than done, but it, that's why I think that's the beauty of the scriptures, right? Is they invite us to go, okay, yeah, I, there's a there's a different path forward here than the one that I've been choosing. Yeah, and that's huge. I, I, it's it's those lessons that you look to and you go, okay, so so God, you you put these words here, so we we'd have this this response because mm -hmm. you you can't read this and not have some type of response. Yeah, you might say, yeah, man, the Arrow should come firing yeah. down all, all where are where's the nearest broom tree? Yeah. And it, it's gonna show your heart either way. Or you can say, No, I'll I'll choose peace. Yeah. I'll choose forgiveness. I'll 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 let go. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So that was uh that that was where we went with that. That was a a fun way to start the Psalms of Ascent. And I loved that there's this, I think, in the Hebrew, there's this subtle um almost just illusion. He says, I am for peace. Yeah. And they're on their way to Jerusalem, which is literally the city of peace. And I am for peace. It's like if there was a, a road sign along the side of the road that there, these pilgrims are walking, it would have said Jeru Salem mm -hmm. or the city of peace. Yeah. And I think there's sort of this like, get it, get it. Like we're going to the city of peace and are we going to bring peace with us? Yeah. Uh, that's, the, that's the question. Do, do you want the honest answer or? Yeah. You know, yeah, no, yeah. Well, then, I mean, think about it, you know, okay. Different contexts and just church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Right. But you know, like, like whether it's, it's pilgrimaging, you know, like if you're going to a, a Christian concert or you're going to an old, like a revival or a crusade, right. You're going with the excitement that God's going to do something big yeah but sometimes we go and we still have whatever issue it is causing conflict in our hearts and our minds it might be with somebody that we're going with or and we've got to sit there and go okay god what what are you going to do yeah 
And how am I going to, how am I going to give this to you? And I think that's, that's part of this is practically like, how do people, you know, how, how do we, okay, I worked 40, 50, 60 hours a week, or I've got all this other stuff I'm taking care of. How do I practically take the time to give this to God? Yeah. And, and God, why am I having such a hard time letting go of this and wanting peace? Right. You know, I think that's that, that those practical applications of how to do this are, are huge for people. They are. And I think that's a, that's a question worth wrestling with. Yeah. Why do I want to hold on to the pain mm -hmm. rather than pursue the peace? And sometimes the pain is just really, really, um, encompassing. I, I, I look at, a. Uh, Rhonda's comment, I chose peace instead of war. And unfortunately it led to divorce, you know? Yeah. And yeah, that's a, thank that you for is, sharing Rhonda. Yeah. Thanks for sharing Rhonda. That is, that's just really, really difficult. I mean, yeah. But, and yet, um, I would say, yeah, what does it look like even then to say, God, how, how can I choose peace in the midst of the pain? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I know. So a few years back, um, you know, this is one of those times where I think I shared a little too much mm. one time when I was sharing it set free and then Kathy had questions for me. Right. And so <laughs> when Kathy sets up an appointment with you after you talk at set free. Oh yeah. When yeah. you talk and she goes, that was really good. So transparent. I got a few questions for you. You're like, Oh, uh -oh. <laughs> and so there's this aspect of it though. I'm, I'm sharing and I, she helped me just realize how much I was living out of survival mm. versus living out of, uh, Kind of this this abundance with the Lord, hmm. but these survival techniques I had learned at different points in my life, um, I'd apply to everyday living, which is a very unhealthy thing to do. Now it got me through, but it wasn't the right way. Right, and so that was huge to be able to take time and work through that, and just have it have her point out some of these things that I'm doing that weren't actually helping anything. Right, but but like I think one of those lies that I end up believing was, well, I need to live in this a little bit of this pain. So that mm -hmm. way I can empathize with others. Oh, interesting. And so, yeah. the, but I didn't realize how pervasive that kid became and how that was really like a, a whole thing I had held on to, to go, oh, well, this is, God obviously doesn't want me to heal from this. Huh. Wow. Yeah. That's a great, um, I just got this picture in my mind of like living in survival mm -hmm. versus abundance. Like, you know, when you're in survival mode, sitting down with like a can of tuna yeah. and a Swiss army knife can opener, like, and <laughs> eating that for dinner, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. But if you were to pull up a chair at your kitchen table and <laughs> eat that for dinner, right. Uh, on a nightly basis, we'd probably have to do an intervention, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so there are different, those are different postures, right. And one makes sense in one setting, but not yeah. in every setting. Yeah. Oh, it, and it, it's, it, yeah, you, you learn and, but it's having people around you. And this is why community is so important. Mm -hmm. And I think even the Psalm and community, all these songs, right? I yeah. know it's so good. And so that's why it's like having the right people around you that God has put in your life to say, okay, I'll, I'll give them freedom to speak in. Yeah. And that's so powerful. Yeah. Because I honestly, I don't think you can go through the, all this alone mm -hmm. and, and learn the lessons God wants you to learn. We can try. But I think what God is saying is, yeah, even even these people who are saying things, you've got to let me deal with it. You've got to learn to trust me and still live in community. Yeah. Yep. We just got to get the right voices around you. Right. Yeah, because it's you can continue to choose peace even in the midst of war if you have people yeah. standing shoulder to shoulder with you going, God's got good for you. Yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's the beauty of the, the Christian walk is God has put so many people around us. And sometimes we choose the wrong people, but he's put so many around us that we can be shoulder to shoulder and we can say, okay, God, we're walking together. Yeah. And that's huge. It is huge. And what so a gift. Let me just plug our life groups or other other opportunities here that if you're not plugged in, you're not in community, there's so many options. I mean, there's more than we have time to list, but there, there's a place for you. It's just find the right one. Hmm. Yep. So, yeah. And so sometimes reach out, let us know. Yeah. If we can help you do that at all, that that's why part of the reason why we're here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. JJ. Oh, is it book time? Oh, I, I, I get to witness this live. This is really exciting for all of you out in the internet world. This is one of those times where Ryan is going to uh, <laughs> share a little bit about what he's been reading. And one of the, Tonight, we actually get a privilege because it's one of his favorite books that has had a huge impact, not just on him, but on so many others. I've read it. It's, it's been very helpful uh, for me as well. Yeah, this is one that um, I just finished uh, last week doing a reread on and because um, I'm going through it with a guy that I'm discipling so uh, or finished going through it. So here's the book. The book is entitled The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it's by a pastor up in Portland. His name is John Mark Comer. John is a just a great, John Mark is a great Bible teacher. Um, he is brilliant. He's sort of quirky and a phenomenal writer. And he writes in a way that is, I, I don't, it's very readable, at least for me. Yeah. I, I, you can almost hear him saying it mm -hmm. in the way that, the book is just laid out and structured. Um, so here's the, the premise of this book is actually, this is going to be shocking. It's based off of a Dallas Willard quote where um, uh, essentially, I, I think it was John Orberg who called Dallas Willard and said, you know, John, Dallas, I'm just stuck. I, I'm just hitting this wall in my relationship with God. And um, Dallas Willard asked him a number of questions. And so, and then John said, well, what do you think I should do? And he said, I think you should, you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And, um, John goes, okay, great. What else? <laughs> and Dallas goes, that's it. Just do that. And, um, and so uh, this is John Mark Comer's sort of expansion of that quote and that idea to say, what does it look like to be the kind of person that ruthlessly eliminates hurry from our life? There is a, a Japanese author, I, I'll butcher his name because I don't have it in front of me, but he wrote a book called Three Mile an Hour God. And um, his the three miles an hour is roughly the pace at which somebody walks. Yeah. And he talked about Jesus walking and he said that we, we often want to try to speed up our lives, but God tends to move at more of a walking pace. Yeah. And um, are we going to be slow enough to keep up with God? That, that was sort of this idea that oh, the turn of idea. phrase will, will you move slow enough to keep up with God? And uh, one of the things that Comer does in this book is he lays out four what I, I, my term would be keystone practices um, that uh, really are the things that allow us to live an unhurried life. So he talks about silence and solitude. He talks about Sabbath. He talks about simplicity. 
And then he talks about what he calls slowing, but it's really just intentional practices that combat hurry. And um, so if you're looking for a book that's sort of in the spiritual formation realm, um, if you're looking for a, a book, if you feel like your life is um, fast paced and a little bit out of control, or maybe even you feel like, um, you know how when you're on vacation, and you're just so looking forward to the week and then you feel like it flies by. Yeah. If you feel like your whole life is like that, you should read this book. When I think realistically coming out of COVID where a lot of us life slowed down, not by choice, just by society, right? It slows down the point of, okay, that we've learned how to function this way. And then it speeds back up Yeah. and we're not ready. Right. I was talking with like Anita Leto in the corporate world and just how hard it's been for so many others. And so I think that's where this might be a great summer read for you if you're looking at finding a little help in this right now. Yeah. And I think so many people were during the COVID season were sort of like a horse, like at the starting line, like just, and they were in that for so long that finally when the gates dropped, we're like, boom, yeah. we're out of there and we have all this pent up oh. energy. And at first it probably feels good. And we're going, yeah, we can keep this up. And I think in the next month, two months, we're going to see people start going, Whoa, whoa, whoa. That this is you need need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry. Yeah, great, great suggestion. I'm glad you brought that one up. And like I said, especially I think at this time where everybody can relate to an extent. Yeah. Because life has changed, you know, back and forth drastically so much. And so I think it's just a good reminder for us right now of putting our priorities right and, and putting God where he needs to be and then living in a way that yeah takes care of the relationship with him. Totally. Yeah. You know, there's, um, there's so many good things in this book, but his chapter on Sabbath is just, it's so good. He talks about the way that, uh, rest is just wired into the fabric of our, our, of creation itself, but also of the creation of humanity. Like we need this. He, he talked about the French revolution and this was the last time that they tried to go to a 10 day a week work week or 10 day work week. So you get a day off every 10 days. Oh, man. And he said it literally was killing people that we need that every, every seven days to take one to rest. Mm -hmm. And we're actually wired for it. It's a gift from God. And it actually, there's a lot of dominoes that are attached to that. If we'll just take that one day and he, he talks in the book about, sort of how to organize a Sabbath day and what to, what to do on that day. And, um, so highly recommend it. Oh yeah. Well, it's, you know, when my back went out as you probably remember, so my, my back went out for a month. I've now I've reached 41. So it just means I'm old or older and, and things are going to happen. And so I was sitting there, I took a few sick days. I'm going, this is, I, I don't have time for this. God, I'm so upset. I should be better by now. I've never been hurt like this before. Usually when this happens, I'm back in a week. And I mm. we were laying on the couch with my feet up. No one's home. And I'm just kind of frustrated. Well, the kids were home, I guess, because of school, you know, on some of the times. But it's it, I'm sitting there just going, There's I should be doing something. And I, mm. but I literally couldn't move because if I moved, I was in pain. So I'm going, okay, God, I'll just sit here. Yeah. And it, it was just, it was that lesson that I needed to be reminded of. No, you can't, you don't need to do everything. Right you've got to rely on me first. It's like, okay, I'll stop. Forced, and forced Sabbath. It was wonderful. Yeah. In, in a very painful moment. So yeah, <laughs> hopefully you guys don't have to go through that to learn the same lesson I learned. Just read the book. Yep. <laughs> Carolyn Schmidt came through oh, yeah. with the three mile an hour God. Uh, oh. It's by Kasuke Kiyama. 
So there we go. There Thank it you, is. Carolyn. Yep. Josh has really good, um, you know, skills to put these things on the screen. I just look at Ryan and talk. So they're perfect. Yeah. yeah oh, it worked out, worked out great. Perfect. Worked out great. Well, is there anything else, any last comments, anything else you want? want no, to um, this, this week, uh, yeah. we're diving into Psalm 121 really and sad. I can't wait. There are, th this is one of those Psalms where he says things in a very, um, absolute manner that all of us probably read and go, does life always work out that way? Or am I supposed to read this in the way that it sounds because it doesn't seem to add up? And what do we, what do we do when it seems like the Bible is saying something that doesn't align with the way that reality actually works? And, um, so I'm going to get to dive into that a little bit, which I love. And really it's a journey that in our writing team yeah. last week, I said, I don't know if this Psalm is true. And by the end of the writing team, I was like, man, I am a chronological snob. Like that I would think that I see something that the original author didn't see. Of course he knew these <laughs> situations existed. Right. And so God really did some work on me and um, I'm excited to invite other people into the oh that's gonna be process, awesome so yeah well i'm yeah. excited that, that god's teaching new things and and you get to teach us this way so yeah that'll be great yeah. looking forward to it me too man and i hope you're all looking forward to it as well yeah so just yep. just uh be praying for ryan as as he puts the finishing touches on his message that he'll deliver this weekend to us be praying for our hearts to be ready for that also just a quick plug as you know our high school uh camp was last week so we had a lot of kids make uh new commitments and renew commitments to the Lord. So just be praying that is awesome. in the hearts yeah, of those high schoolers. Yeah, it, it was a huge week uh, at our, our quarterly meeting. We'll give some updates about that um, and, and tell you all the good stories. But but God did a mighty work in a lot of lives last week. So just be lifting up our high school group and uh, for God to continue the, the spiritual work that he's doing. Yeah, so excited, JJ. Awesome. Man, thanks so much for stepping hey, in tonight. So thank, fun to thank, hang out I with know. you. And yeah, great Anytime job. Anytime Josh so. is gone, I'll, I'll be faithful to step in this. Group, all right. So. Sounds good. Well, thank you, Ryan. Thank, thank you, everybody. You, I hope you guys have a great night and we'll see you soon. Yep. God bless.